Good morning and welcome to Thursday morning, April the 7th in 2022 on When I Rise. Today we're in year C and this Sunday is called the Liturgy of the Palms or Palm Sunday. It's also known as the sixth Sunday of Lent. And on the Thursday of the week, we'd like to take a look at the New Testament letter passage, which comes from this week from the Revised Common Lectionary. So we find ourselves in Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 through 11, a well-known piece of the New Testament. So let me read that passage once again, provide a couple of points for reflection, and then we'll spend our time praying along the theme that we find there. Thanks for making us part of your morning on When I Rise. Let's allow our souls to rise and be God together in a time of prayer. Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 through 11. You should have the same attitude toward one another that Jesus Christ had, who, though he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God as something to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the, on the form of a slave, by looking like other men, and by sharing in human nature. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. As a result, God highly exalted him and gave him the name that is above every name, so that the name of Jesus every knee will bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. This is the word of God for us. One of the sets of annual questions that we get in and around Easter is why did Jesus have to die? And I think it was, uh, let's see, the historian, the theologian, I'm looking back here, if you can see me like changing in my chair, um, looking back at my bookshelf, Fleming Rutledge in her, in her book, The Crucifixion, which uh, was a fantastic book, won the book of the year uh, a couple years back. Uh, she says, we need to sharpen that question, not just to why did Jesus have to die, but why did Jesus have to be crucified? Like, what, why is that a, a, a piece of the picture here? Because if truly the only thought was that uh, Jesus had to die on behalf of everyone else, then any type of death could have been available and die of old age or whatever, I guess, uh, or an array of forms of how people pass away. But uh, the fact that Jesus was crucified and how in a mystery this was either the foreknowledge plan of God from the beginning of the ages, as some New Testament writers say, or that was just the way that uh, a political uprising against Jesus, uh, the, the form that they used because of the Roman Empire and the political structure there, we have to calculate that into our math and explanation of Easter. Why, did, why was Jesus crucified on Good Friday? And I think it's important for us to, to dwell on the events of Good Friday, to think about who's saying what and why is Jesus there? And why is he saying the things that he is saying and not saying at the cross? Uh, why is he giving echoes of Psalm 22 as he's at the cross and so on and so forth? But uh, I love uh, theologian and literary critic René Girard. I think he brought an interesting perspective to all of this. And I think what he would say if I could uh, somehow channel my inner Rene Girard, he would say it's important for us to look at the events prior to the crucifixion and then after the crucifixion, what happens. That's equally as important as the crucifixion itself. It's important because here in Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 through 11, uh, we have what some scholars suggest is an early hymn or an early confession of the Jesus moment. But you'll notice 
um, that this comes in the middle of a sermonette, um, an argument that Paul is trying to make. It starts in chapter 2, verse 1, but it reaches its steam in verse 4, and then finally in verse 5 in our morning text. He says, you should have the same attitude towards one another that Jesus Christ had. So Paul is anchoring what will be a communal ethic or how we should act as Christian people in the suffering act of Jesus himself. And so he says that though uh, he existed in the form of God, he did not call, uh, regard equality with God as something to use to his advantage, to be grasped, but he emptied himself and he found himself in the form of a human but even submitted to death and even more clearly death on a cross. And somehow in this moment of being crucified, Jesus still like honors and glorifies God, what's the very last uh, verse of our passage, to the glory of God the Father. So people are going to confess that Jesus is Lord every single tongue, and it will glorify God, but also this action of God. So this action of Jesus glorified God. And as we act like Jesus did or in the vicinity of how Jesus acted here, like that glorifies God as well. And so what does all of this mean? What we know is that, this is the inner Gerard voice here, is that to people rival and they envy because they desire the same thing. Jesus desired something and so did all of his opponents, his Roman opponents, his Jewish opponents. They all desired the same thing to be at the controls of creation. Uh, Jesus wanted to do so in order to redeem it. And it seemed like uh, the Jewish leaders and the Roman leaders wanted controls of human existence and controls of the world in order for their own ends. And so everybody can't share that. And so when you can't share something, you challenge the person who wants the same thing that you do. And if you can't win them over to your side and somehow neutralize them, then you need to get rid of them. And that's what they did. They nailed Jesus to a cross and they gave him an execution, a a penalty for sedition, for uh, taking up some sort of a power stance against the powerful forces around him. Now, Gerard says that was important. That was why Jesus was crucified. But notice what Jesus does when he's raised. As Gerard studied different literature, he noticed that whenever somebody does something against you, the common form of response is retaliation. Right? or seeking some sort of a justice, a retributive type of justice, where I have retribution back toward you because you took something from me. But Jesus does something that's different. He engages in restorative justice. And that restorative justice continues to work its way out in the world today. Notice what Jesus does when he faces his disciples at the end of the Gospels. He doesn't uh, browbeat them. He doesn't give them a lecture. And he doesn't retaliate and strike back out against them for betraying him and and leaving him there abandoned instead of coming to his defense. Jesus could have. He could have wagged his finger in their faces and he could have said, aren't you there for me? Instead, he decides to engage in peace instead of retaliation. And this is why Paul says one of the crowning moments of uh, the book of Romans, the letter to the Roman church. In chapter 8, verse 1, he says, there is now no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. Jesus decides to make a community and stitch people together, not in the form of retribution, but in the form of, not not in the form of condemnation, but of affirmation. He embraces us as brother, as sister, and we get to uh, continue to work in this reconciliation movement, as Paul says in another place, 
until the whole world is fixed and put back together. This is what Paul's imagining when he says, Every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. But we don't have to wait till the coronation of all this thing at the end of the age. But we can do so now. And as we do so now, we can, going back up to verse 5, engage in the mind of Christ and have the same mindset that Jesus does. Not lashing out in retribution, not lashing out in retaliation, but engaging in the life of peace. So with that mind, let's spend some time praying to our God this morning. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we confess and we recognize that you're creating a brand new world with brand new values that's different and distinct from the patterns and the structures of the world around us. And so we thank you that you saw within your plan and your desire that you uh, added us into this great story. And we confess to you that we need your help once more uh, because our life is still out of shape um, from how this world, your world, is supposed to be governed and is supposed to spread. And so, God, we confess uh, that we have operated in retaliation, that we have sought retribution, that we hold grudges, and we harbor unforgiveness. So we ask that you would wash over us once more and that you would speak to us and teach, teach us your ways so that we can see your world alive in us and then we can begin to see your world alive in the world around us. And so, God, we pray this day that you would pass by us and that we would see great and marvelous things that we'd recognize this peaceful kingdom that you've launched so many years ago that continues to spring up all around us. May it be apparent to our eyes today. We ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.